Hey guys, it's Reverend Mark Branker and welcome to Just Grow With It. Now hold on, before you change the channel or, or turn, you are in the right place. This is the Mackenzie Reinhardt Show. I'm just going to be filling in for Mackenzie tonight. So I thank you for listening and letting me host the show. And I thank Mackenzie for the awesome blessing of having me host the show and interviewing a very, very special guest this evening a guest that I've come to know very well and really admire. And I think that you guys are really going to enjoy this. You're going to grow from it. You're going to get some amazing knowledge and it's just going to be an awesome show. So now I know right now you must be excited wondering who, not only who is this guy, but who is he interviewing tonight? Well, I think you're really going to like it. So as is tradition in the start of the show, I'm going to ask our guests to introduce us, introduce themselves and tell us who they are. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that kind introduction. Um, I'm not going to lie to you all. If you haven't figured it out yet, we have reversed the roles and I'm actually the one in the hot seat tonight. So for those of you who don't know me or for those of you who are maybe new and joining in on the show, uh, my name is Mackenzie Reinhardt. Uh, I am the original host and creator of Just Grow With It, but we thought that this would be a fun, uh, just a little opportunity to uh, get to introduce myself and kind of have the opportunity to tell you guys a little bit more of my story. Uh, so with that being said, those of you who follow along know that one of the very first questions I tend to ask people is, you know, who they are or, um, you know, just kind of an introduction to themselves. So and kind of thinking about this all day, um, because I'm somebody who likes to be well thought out in all things that I do, I was kind of trying to decide what I was going to talk to you all about tonight. And uh, Mark was very adamant about not really telling me what he was going to be asking or prompting on tonight's show so that I probably wouldn't overthink it. So we're just going to roll with it and we're going to see what happens with that. Uh, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Mackenzie Reinhardt. I'm currently 22 years old. Uh, first and foremost, I am the daughter of the Most High King, uh, a lover of Jesus. Secondary to that, I am a daughter to Mike and Joyce Reinhardt. I am an entrepreneur. Um, I'm a creative. What else am I? I'm interested in ministry. Um, I'm a lover of food. I'm a travel enthusiast. I'm kind of uh, well-versed in and wear many hats and roles. Um, you know, some of the things that I'm really passionate about or have pursued over the last few years have been finance, education, um, working with children, especially at-risk youth. Um, that's kind of been something that I've had my hand in for the last few years. Uh, but I'm also very passionate about ministry and uh, sharing the love of God with everybody else. So I'm really excited to be here tonight. I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie to you all, but I'm really uh, fortunate and blessed to have such a great friend that was willing to do this with me. But well, Thank you so much. So you're really nervous being in the hot seat? Yeah, I can understand why people would be nervous about this. You know, I have people tell me that all the time. And I'm like, guys, it's not a big deal. Like, it's not even a Zoom. Nobody can see you. Like, it's all good. It's just like a phone call. But now I'm starting to feel the way that you guys feel when the roles are reversed. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, I feel nervous because uh, you're a tough act to follow. But <laughs> don't worry, I am a professional. And for there those of you who may have missed the episode where I was in the hot seat. Uh, I'm Mark Branker, Reverend Mark Branker. I am a counseling um, minister. I do Christian counseling, a blended family counseling, and Christian Enneagram counseling or coaching, uh, so to speak. 
So, yeah, I was adamant about not telling Mackenzie what we were, how I was going to structure the show because, I mean, honestly, it's her show. <laughs> you know, how boring could it be asking her the questions that she asks everybody <laughs> every show? That's too easy. Okay. You're going to do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, here, here's the thing, Mackenzie. Um, and in all seriousness, I mean, it is a blessing and an honor for me to, for you to trust me with your show uh, to interview you and to, you know, tell everyone your story. And, you know, we had a couple of conversations and we really didn't plan anything out, but I, I just want to frame this in a way that I don't think you've actually looked at, um, which might help you as, you know, we pull your story out of you. Mm -hmm. um, for those of you who don't know, Mackenzie and I met a little over seven years ago um, in my sister's last days. So a very awkward time. Um, at that time, Mackenzie was, um, because I'm old, a, a, a child of God, you know, <laughs> who ended up ministering to me, an adult, um, in my time of grief, which was really awesome. And, you know, at some point, God compelled me to, to tell Mackenzie that no matter what happens, we will be friends for a very long time. So the funny part was when I met Mackenzie, <laughs> she had a blog called Incipient Beginnings. Now, for those of you who don't know and don't think that I'm that smart because I had to look it up, too, I kind of knew what it meant, but I had to look it up. Incipient <laughs> means in an initial stage beginning to happen or develop. And when it refers to a person, it's a person that is developing into a specified type or role. And it was a, a very, for such a young person and a, a young person in Christ, it was an amazing blog post um, that really touched people and really moved people. Now, fast forwarding seven years later, uh, of our seven-year sabbatical, we come back <laughs> together and we we cross paths and we meet and it's like time, you know, hadn't passed. And now she's a woman of God, an entrepreneur in ministry, um, serving God's kingdom. And she has a podcast called Just Grow With It. Now, see, I don't believe in coincidence, um, or, you know, chance, but literally those two entities are almost a, basically a script for tonight's show. I love that. How, how she went from this incipient beginning of this child of God with this vision to help people. And now a woman of God with a show called Just Grow With It, you know, here's the story. How did you get from your incipient beginning to just growing with it? Oh, that's almost a rhetorical question because there's going to be a lot to unpack here. Um, but I also think it's a frame that you didn't see yourself in. No, and I'm really glad that you said that because, you know, obviously I'm aware that for those probably it was about two or three years that I ran incipient beginnings and was blogging regularly um, and kind of just stepped away with it from it because life had kind of happened and just working through some of my own things uh, as much as I knew that that, that was obviously what I did. And that was kind of my ministry at that time. 
uh, you just framed it in a completely different way, which I'm so glad that you brought that up because I don't know if I would have drawn that comparison or that uh, connection had you not said that. So thank you for sharing that. Don't thank me. Thank him. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> he put that vision in my head when we were just chatting about doing this. I can understand why you didn't say anything now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, really. Thank you. And thank him all day, every day. So I, I just thought that would be a perfect jumping off point because I think your audience really needs to understand that you are just as human as they are. Yeah. And you know, even though I don't know all of your story and I'm going to learn more of it tonight, you know, I think looking at yourself from your incipient beginning into where you are now and how you got there and how you how you managed or coped with all the things that you went through, you know, but still with this God-given drive to get to where you are now, I, I think is a story that needs to be heard. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, is there anywhere specific you'd like me to start? You want me to just jump right in and you're going to tell me where you want me to go? I, I think, you know, um, basically probably the best place is when, you know, you stopped blogging regularly. Yeah. So to give just a little bit of background so people kind of understand what had, you know, at least initially created the blog, um, when I was... I believe I was 14. Yes, I was 14. Um, so what actually happened for me was I was in high school. I was a sophomore in high school. And I, unfortunately, um, I say unfortunately, but also what a blessing it was to know both of these people. Um, I lost two people that I was very, very close with to aggressive stages of cancer. Um, almost a year to the day apart, believe it or not. I'm not sure if you knew that, Mark. No. Um, <laughs> you're going to learn as much as everybody else tonight. Um, so initially, after I'd lost that first person, and God rest his soul, because he was one of the most incredible uh, men that I had gotten to know, and he just played such an influential uh, piece in my life. He was like a third grandfather, uh, just such a blessing, such a joy. Um, and I just learned so much from him. Um, but I took to writing. Uh, writing had always kind of been my uh, outlet. You know, I'm not somebody who... For as keepily and relationship driven of a person as I am, talking about my feelings is not my thing. <laughs> That's not something that comes easy to me. So in that grief, um, for actually really both of those things, obviously, you know, the other person that was your sister that you were talking about. Um, and we walked through that season together. Um, but I took to writing, you know, writing was really how I uh, got to not only, you know, express and kind of release all the things I was holding in but it also helped me really like take the time to process them and work through them probably in the best possible way at least in that season so I had started writing and started incipient beginnings after um the initial passing of the first person that I lost and his name was Dave and uh I had been writing for a while and then Donna passed away like I said almost a year to the day later there was a three-day difference um from when they passed away. So what actually ended up happening was Donna passed away. And then three days later on April 20th, that was the one year anniversary of losing him. Um, interestingly enough, you know, I can say this now, I was not saying this in that season. Um, you had brought up how I ministered to you or quote unquote ministered to you in that, in that season. And, and in that moment, and, uh, 
I think the only reason that I was really able to do that looking back is because I had been through it once before. Um, and I, like you said, I didn't know that I had that impact had affected you that way or touched you in that way. And it wasn't really until probably what February when we recorded your episode that you shared that with me. So I went yeah. all these years not knowing that, but it's very fun minus the circumstances, of course, to look back and kind of just see the way that God had his hand, um, in those situations, right? And, and so, honestly, you don't even have to say minus the circumstances because I look back at that time with smiles and fond memories. Yeah. And and that is a blessing. Amen. Um, so interestingly enough, this is just a side note to both of those things. Um, if you guys want to hear more in depth on the story of, you know, how Mark and I met and kind of where our friendship started, I would highly encourage you to go listen to his episode because he shares a lot of that story and it was just a phenomenal episode and he just dropped so much wisdom and grace so I'm totally plugging his episode um but interestingly enough looking back at both of those experiences like you were saying maybe we're not saying despite the circumstances but looking back now after coming out on the other side of it in both occasions that I lost those people it was a joyous time and that sounds almost contradictory because you're thinking about losing somebody or somebody passing away or even the thought of death you know what I mean and I'm not trying to get all morbid and <laughs> scary just jumping <laughs> off the story here, but this is what happened to me. You know what I mean? Right. Um, they were both joyous occasions. Uh, both of those people were surrounded by their friends and family. Uh, we were celebrating. We were laughing. They were beautiful days. It would have been any everything and anything that both of those people wanted uh, to be their last day. So looking back on that, I just I know that God's hand was on both those situations. And like I said, if you want to hear more about Mark's story, please go listen to his episode because he really goes into detail about how we walk through that journey together. Um, but with that being said, after Donna had passed away, um, I had a very, very hard time with that. So when she passed away, I was a junior in high school, um, which for those of you who are younger or at least relevant to what high school is like now, you know that junior year is not a fun year academically anyway, let alone the stress of college and planning and all of those things, let alone this added stress of uh, losing somebody that you love and are near and dear to. Uh, so that was my junior year. It was the spring of my junior year. And um, I had a really hard time with that. And I kind of, I don't want to say I shut down, but I think I did for a while, um, which eventually kind of led to me stepping away from the blog. I don't think I stepped away from the blog because that happened. I think I stepped away from the blog because I just needed some time to really process it and kind of just walk with the Lord in that situation. So I stopped blogging. Um, I wish I had looked up to see when the last one that I had written was, honestly. And maybe I'll look that up after. So I had um, summer rolls around and I'm going into my senior year of high school, which Senior year is supposed to be great, supposed to be fun, don't get me wrong. And it was. It was an awesome year. It was I was a three sport athlete, um, involved in various clubs and academia and all of that stuff, you know. I was the one who kind of had her hand in everything. Um, not in a bad way, but I was just actively involved in a lot of different things. Um, you know, I was in sports, I was in, you know, Spanish club, I was in art club, I was in um FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Like I had all these things going on. Um and unfortunately, right before, actually, this all kind of transpired at the same time now that I'm thinking about the timeline of it all. Um, when Donna had gotten sick, um, for those of you who don't know me, I know a lot of people listening do kind of know me and know my background. But 
I'm 22 and I have a 20 now one-year-old brother. We're about a year and a half apart. Uh, and my parents um, met and got married at age 18. I'm giving you this background because it's going to play into the story. Um, my mom was a teacher. She works primarily in special education and with at-risk youth, which was kind of where my love of that was inherited and just education as a whole. And my dad was actually a fourth generation dairy farmer. So that makes my brother and I the fifth generation of our family to be culture. So at this time in my life, uh, when I was a senior in high school, I had uh, my mom was and my dad had the dairy farm. So we were running a full fledged dairy farm. Uh, my dad was very into the genetics and breeding. So it was high end cattle that we were showing and traveling with and kind of doing all of these things. Um, my mom was teaching. My dad also ran our financial education firm. He had kind of taken a step back, was just taking a break. He was focusing on the farm. He was focusing on Zach and I being high school. Um, so he was servicing clients, but he wasn't like working full fledged in that. And then he was also helping another family member get started with a construction company. Okay. So we had a million and 12 things going on. And I think that that's just kind of how my life continues to run. Uh, but we had all of these different things going on and it would be so chaotic because, you know, I would go to school all day. I would go to sports practice all day. I would go to games, whatever the day it was. And then in the meantime, we have a full-fledged dairy farm. So we would come home from sports and practice and games and then have to go to the farm and do chores and all this stuff, right? So dad's running multiple businesses. Mom's helping dad run the businesses. We have the dairy farm. Mom, we were fortunate enough when we were in high school, she basically stayed home and really took care of Zach and I. She was always at every game, every practice, every wherever we needed her, she was always there. And what a blessing that was. Um, especially kind of when those situations occurred that I was just speaking on. And uh, so we just had a lot going on in our life. Um, unfortunately, right around the same time frame that we had lost Donna, um, basically somebody that, and I'm going to say this like lightly, and I'm not going to dive too much into it just for privacy purposes. And also I hope at some point that I can have my parents on the show and that they can really share this story because it's just such a testament to uh, their faith and also their integrity. Um, and there's some, it's just something that I'm really proud of and I really admire and look up to them for amongst many other things. Um, but unfortunately, after um, both of those situations had occurred, basically somebody that my parents had partnered with in the construction business, um, that basically my parents were subtracted, excuse me, subcontracted out to doing work for, um, basically made some choices that weren't the most integrity filled choices and ended up basically like falling off the face of the earth. So made a bunch of poor choices, fell off the face of the earth, didn't own up to or necessarily do what they were supposed to do. And long story short, what it ended up doing was shorting um, my parents on payments that they were supposed to be paid for, for the construction business. Um, and like I said, I'm not going to jump into all of the details believe that that's really a story that they should share. Um, obviously, it affected me, but I'm really hoping that at some point my dad will feel comfortable enough to share that with everyone. Um, but that happened basically simultaneously um, with Donna passing away. Okay, so I have these kind of two things happening. We have the dairy farm still happening. We have all this stuff. Basically, what ended up happening in that story was my parents did everything they could to continue to support, write checks, do all this stuff for all our employees. Um, but by Christmas of my senior year, they had to let all of their employees go and they had to shut down the business. Um, and basically what ended up happening was some of the partners in the business also went MIA and basically everything, li not liability, but 
responsibility wise fell on my parents. Uh, so my parents were working really hard to maintain integrity and just serve those people that had served, you know, our business and our family for so many years in the best way that they possibly could. Uh, but in turn, um, that devastated our family financially. Um, and with that, we lost just about everything. So again, that's not my story to share and I'll leave that right there, but that happens. And then at the same time, my dad was saying, um, if anybody follows the ag industry or that type of anybody involved in agriculture, you probably know that the dairy industry is not the best industry to be in right now. <laughs> um, so simultaneously, by the grace of God, my dad was already considering selling out of our dairy just because it had gotten to be too much. Um, he realized he had kind of reached his cap and kind of reached, you know, he was stretching himself too thin. So we had some partnerships lined up and we ended up selling out of our family dairy shortly after that. So that was a huge blessing because things continued to get worse in the dairy industry after that. Um, so we're working through all of that. Uh, at this point, it's been a couple of years and I'm going to fast forward a little bit here now. Um, do you have anything that you need to add or want to say, Mark? No, I'm just, uh, and how old were you when this all was so taking place? When we, so I was 16. No, I was not 16 yet. I was 15 when, no, I was 16. Yeah, I was 16 when Donna passed away. Um, I was 16 when all of this stuff happened with the construction business. And by the time I had turned 17, um, I turned 17 in October. So by December, after I had turned 17, uh, the business was completely shut down and we quote unquote lost everything. Um, so this was my senior year of high school at this point. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Um, and right, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot at that time for sure. Um, so really, I was just focused on getting through high school at that point. Um, I was very gifted uh, and I worked really hard academically. So by December of my senior year, I had, um, you know, applied to college, did all of those things. Um, and I had actually gotten into 12 different schools. Um, I got a lot of major academic scholarships to many of those schools. And I was like, at this point, kind of having like, I couldn't even equate it to a quarter life crisis because you would think like 25 is a quarter life crisis. So I don't know if it was like the one fifth life crisis. I don't know what that was, but by spring of my uh, senior year, I just was uh, lost in what I was supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? Yes. In, in, in terms of everything else that was going on, like that was all happening behind the scenes. Um, that wasn't something that was public information. That wasn't something that people knew about. So that was all kind of happening behind closed doors. Um, but in terms of me and schooling, you know, basically you're being told that you got to make all your life choices when you're 17, 18 years old. Um, and that was freaking me out. Um, I knew that I was gifted academically. I knew that I worked really hard um, to achieve all that I had. And I also knew that I was like supposed to have my hand in a few different things. Like I didn't think that there was just one thing that just fit what I was being called to do. Um, so Jesus and I had a lot of talks about that <laughs> in that time. And uh, I knew that I have a passion for education. And I think a lot of that just came from seeing my, the way that my mom teached and everything that she was involved in and the impact she's made over the years. Um, I knew that I had a passion for business and entrepreneurship and all of that. Um, and I think that obviously comes from the fact that we were running multiple businesses. I grew up in an entrepreneurship uh, mindset of a home. Um, but I also knew that there was a level of ministry that I wanted to be involved in. So when I was trying to decide what school I was going to, you know, I was going from everything to like 
finance to business? Do I want to be a teacher? Do I want to go for ministry? Do I want to go for, you know, leadership? Um, like, what do I want to do? And what do I see myself doing? And, you know, and I did a lot of uh, assessments of, you know, what my strengths were, what I believe the gifts that God had given me were. Um, but I also knew growing up in a house where, you know, my parents primarily teach people about financial education and how money works and all those things that even though behind closed doors, you know, crap was hitting the fan in our household, you know, they've instilled a lot of great principles in my brother and I from an early age. So I also knew that if I was pursuing secondary education, I was not willing to go into debt for it. Um, that's not something I was willing to do or compromise on. So I knew that I had had a lot of academic scholarships. I had worked really hard for those. Um, and basically it came down to, at one point, uh, we had a whole spreadsheet and it was like this spreadsheet of the 12 schools that I got into, what the tuition was, what I had gotten or received from the school, like what it was going to be without those things, all that, right? So we got to April, I don't know, like 29th, mind you, like national decision-making days, like May 1st, usually you have to tell a school that you're going there and like start to put your deposit down and all that stuff. Um, so at that point I was like weighing all the options. And honestly, I just, I wasn't feeling peace. Like I wasn't feeling contentment. I wasn't feeling like I was being led to any one of those schools. So in turn of already being stressed out about the fact that I didn't know what school I wanted to go to, let alone like what I was going to major in. The fact that I didn't feel good about any of them was just really riling me. Um, and as much as I'm not somebody who's an S type personality, for those of you who know the personality traits, um, like, I needed to know, like I needed to have that clarity in order to make that decision. And I just didn't have that clarity. Um, so on May 1st, I basically made the decision that I was not going to go or not going to pursue schools, uh, at least in that moment. I had emailed a bunch of my schools and they had offered me a gap year so I could take a year off and then re-enroll that following fall semester. Um, and I figured that that would kind of give me the time to figure out, you know, what I was supposed to be doing with more clarity and not just make a decision out of emotion or being rushed. Uh, so I was going to do some community college classes, get some gen eds out of the way, and then probably transfer out that following year. However, just as anytime we make plans, <laughs> they tend to get interrupted if they're not moving in the right direction. Um, one night I was just having a heart to heart with my dad and I was like, dad, like, I know that these are things that I'm interested in. I know that these are things that I'm passionate about. And these are things that I can see myself in. I go, but I'm not seeing how I can make all of the pieces of the things that I'm interested in or gifted in work. You know, I'm into finance. I'm into education. I'm into ministry and serving others. And I'm into writing and I'm into being creative. So like, how am I supposed to take the five or six things that I love and am passionate about and make them into something that, you know, I want to do, but it's also glorifying God in his kingdom. To basically um, you know, turn it into a cornucopia, a horn of plenty. Right, exactly. So I'm like having a meltdown about it, which I don't melt down. So the fact that I was, was tough. Um, and I was just saying like, I don't, I didn't want to go to school and just pursue something because somebody said it sounded good or like, that's what I should be doing. Um, and like I said, and not feeling the clarity in any of those things. I just knew that that wasn't what I was supposed to be doing at that time. I'm not, I wasn't saying that it wasn't going to come down the road or like things would shift and change, but there was just a lot going on. Um, and I just couldn't, I didn't have clarity and I wasn't finding clarity in that whole process. So I'm talking to my dad and we're kind of just talking through it. And he has such a level head, like God bless him. Cause I can go to him like completely freaking out and he can have me like level and like talking at a normal uh, conversation. Great. And just working through things in about five minutes. 
So we basically made this list and on that list, it was the things that, you know, I was passionate about kind of all those things I was just reiterating to you. And he said, here's the thing. Um, your mom and I are not forcing you to do anything at all. You know what I mean? Like you have free and active will and choice to do and pursue what you want to do. Um, my parents believe in secondary education. They support it, but they also realize and know that it's not for everyone, uh, which that'll come back up later with my brother. Um, and he goes, we're not forcing you to do anything. If you want to take the summer off, if you want to take a semester off, he goes, my biggest advice to you would be just start trying things out. You know what I mean? You can get a summer job. You can start pursuing different things. You can work with kids. You could, um, they had the financial education business. He was like, you can intern in the business. You know, we can just start doing things and seeing, you know, if you would actually like doing those things for the rest of your life, not that you have to do any of those things for the rest of your life, but if those are things that you actually could see yourself doing the best way you're going to figure that out and learn is by doing it. And I was like, okay, well that, like that makes sense. So at that, that, point, that sounds like a very, very smart man. Yes. Yeah. And, and here's, here's an interesting quote from John Edmund Haggai, who is a um, teaches Christian leadership. It says, God gives us children as life's supreme investment. And what you just said is your father looking at his investment and letting it grow. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So at that point, I had graduated. Um, and we had a convention, basically, it's like a biannual convention, um, where everybody that runs financial, the financial offices that my parents do kind of get together. And it's just a great time. So my dad was still dealing with the dairy farm debacle, not debacle, but selling out of that and kind of just everything else that I had talked about going on. So he goes, here's what I want you to do. He goes, we obviously know that business and finance are two of the things you're interested in, as well as all the other things. He goes, I want you to go to this conference and I just want you to kind of soak it all in. I'm not asking you to commit to anything. I'm not asking you to do anything. He goes, I just want you to go and experience it. And then when you get back, we can sit down and have a conversation about where we think we want to move from there and where we want to proceed. So he goes, I don't want you to go in with any expectations. I don't want you to go in with any prejudgments or notions. I just want you to go and experience it. And even just open your eyes to the idea of maybe if it's something that you would like or want to pursue. Okay. So he stays home. He sends me to Indianapolis, which great city. If anybody ever wants to visit, I do recommend. Um, I go to Indianapolis for the weekend and I go to this conference and I was like, holy crap, like this is something. I'm not saying it's all of what I'm supposed to be doing, but this is something that I'm supposed to be doing. Um, so I come home like fired up, jacked up all the good stuff about like feeling like clarity and peace and just kind of like a knowing, you know what I mean? It was almost like a God wink, like this is where you're supposed to be. So I tell my dad that like, that is something that I feel in my spirit that I should be pursuing. And I, I'm not saying it's the one thing that I'm going to do. I never just do one thing. You know, I'm an A type personality. Like I said, when I was in high school, I had my hand in everything and still as a grown woman, I do as well. But I said, this is something that I want to get involved in. So in order to do that, I had to turn 18. I was young. I graduated early. So I had graduated at basically like 17 and a half. Uh, so I still had six months before I could like actually do anything <laughs> and get like license and all of that. So I spent my summer kind of interning with my parents. And basically, I had grown up watching them do what they do. Uh, but I had never actually like really paid attention, if that makes sense. Um, I knew what we did. I knew how we helped families. I'd watched them do it for years and just a great example that they had set. Um, just in leadership and just financially and kind of all of the awesome things and skills and whatnot that they've instilled upon my brother and I and just the wisdom and whatnot. But I never actually paid attention. So that summer, I literally was like, 
my dad's little intern, which was super fun because I got to spend a lot of time with him, but I also got to learn a lot from him. Um, and you mentioned that he, you know, his wisdom and kind of the conversations that we were having. He's one of the smartest guys I know. And I'm not just saying that because he's my dad, but he really just lives his life with such, you know, wise decisions and discernment. And you can just pick up so much from him from, from a leadership perspective, you know, from being a father, from a business owner, from just who he is as a person. He's just such an incredible person. And my mom too, of course. And Zach and I were just really fortunate and blessed that they instilled a lot of, you know, a lot of the great things that they've learned uh, into us. Cause my dad always believed that if he could teach us early on, it would avoid us a lot of heartache and frustration down the road. Absolutely. Um, so I got to intern with him. I turned 18. I start doing all of my licensing, do all of that stuff. I basically had to do a two year internship where I'm basically getting state and federally licensed. Uh, obviously in finance, you're working with people's money, you're working in investments, you're working with basically people's life savings, inheritances, all of that stuff, their whole financial picture and game plan. That's not something you take lightly. Um, that's something that's, you know, state and federally regulated. So I had to do all the exams, had to pass all the background checks, just, you know, cross all my T's and dot all my I's. So I did that for about two years and then really kind of stepped out in my own um, and being somebody who is competent to be able to start servicing clients and helping people. Um, so I'd help people all along the way in kind of just my training process and getting hours of experience and that type of thing. But I was probably about 20, yeah, 20 or so when I basically got to step out in that. So as that's all happening, um, I have this opportunity that presents itself to start working with a population of at-risk youth. Um, and that was something that I felt in my heart that in that season I was supposed to be doing. So I took that opportunity. So basically what my life looked like um, because like I said, I have my hands in multiple things, um, was that during the day from about seven to like one, usually I would go to a local high school and I was working primarily with a group of at-risk students who were ages, uh, 10th grade to seniors. So I had a little bit of everything and by at-risk, I mean anything from, you know, parents aren't in the picture, divorce, trauma, um, basically anything that you could think of. Maybe parents aren't in the picture. Maybe there aren't any parents at all divorce, trauma, mental health, um, emotional distress, kind of just anything you could really think of were these kids. So I got to work with these kids for about three years uh, and just just really got to honestly, there was no expectation other than I got to pour into them and I got to love on them and get to be, um, you know, somebody that can work with them and be somebody that they could come to if they needed help academically, if they wanted to, you know, play a game of basketball or if, you know, life was happening and they just wanted somebody's perspective of, you know, somebody who had walked through, you know, those seasons of life in high school and came out on the other side. Uh, so I really got to do that. And I just absolutely loved that. So it's kind of funny looking back because, you know, if you remember the things that I was saying I was passionate about before, you know, it was kind of like the boxes were being checked and I wasn't really aware of it, if that makes sense. You know, I had covered the business and the finances and that's something that I do. I'd covered working with the kids. So after I would get out of work with the kids, I would go to our office and then I would start working with my dad. And it worked out perfectly because most of the time when we were meeting with clients, it was when clients were going to get out of work. So, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight at night. Um, and I just ran that schedule for about two years and I loved it. Most people are like, you're insane. <laughs> Why would you do that? Like, that's so much to commit to. Um, but being an A-type personality, you know, I loved it. It was awesome. And it was just things that I was passionate about and able to pursue. I got to coach, I got to tutor, I got to do a lot of the things that I was naturally good at and gifted in, but also got to take those natural gifts and talents and use them in a way that were serving others. And I loved everything about that. 
Um, so with that being said, shall I continue to ramble or? <laughs> you know, what, when I listen to what you're saying and, and you know, I have to get, I have to find you this book. It's called 365 Things Every Great Leader Should Know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the quotes says, quite simply, Jesus says, the secret of financial freedom is to practice the biblical mandate of giving. Mm-hmm. And as I'm listening to your story, you know, a lot of your indecision about what you should do with your life was based around how you could give. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, as much as, you know, like you said, secondary education was good. I think your secondary education was more a life school. Yeah. Because 100%. most kids at your age, 16, going through the things that you went through, which is a lot for someone at 16, would have been an at-risk youth. Exactly. But you weren't. Right. And, And in turn, you know, this was your school of hard knocks to turn around and say, now I know how to serve. Yep. Or now I'm figuring out how to serve. And again, as I said, you know, this child of God and child of your father, this investment is now starting to grow quantitatively, right. exponentially. Right. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll drop another quote. And it says, decision-making sits at the heart of leadership. In fact, leadership really boils down to a consistent execution of decisions, big and small, day in, day out. And the trail of decisions a leader leaves behind her, in this case, charts the trajectory of her influence. And I think that's where your gift really shines coming again from that incipient beginning Mm -hmm. to how you've coped, how you've managed, how you've turned adversity into prosperity and literally growing with it Mm -hmm. and continuing to grow with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I would definitely say like, I feel like a lot of times you don't really notice the ways that you're growing or the ways that you're changing and developing until you're on the other side of it, or at least able and in a space where you can kind of look back and reflect on it. But looking back, kind of like we were talking about, you know, just drawing all the comparisons and finding all the connections between everything that I had walked through from that initial point to now, or at least this part of the story. um, I definitely know that walking through all of that really gave me such a sense of empathy and compassion um, to in turn use not only in my day to day life, but really to serve those kids. Because kind of like you said, had it not been not, I'm not saying had it not been I, but had it not been, I'm going to say me, I guess I don't have any other better way to describe it. I would have been classified as an at-risk youth. You know, I would have been a kid who in the standard world, any kid who goes through that usually, first of all, can't cope with that. And I'm not saying I did in a healthy way by any manner, but I picked up the pieces and kept moving with it. Um, That would have been considered, you know, an at-risk kid or a kid who needed support or a kid who needed help. So the fact that God really took those, I don't want to say broken pieces, but pieces that I had walked through and kind of just pieces of the story and seasons of life that I had walked through and then in turn gifted me with the opportunity to one become more empathetic and compassionate but also in turn serve and love on and give in to those kids uh it's really just such a blessing so for that I wouldn't change anything because I know I wouldn't have been able to do that or show up as well for those kids had I not walked through any of that absolutely and not to put any pressure but you know a lot of people get daunted or, um, you know, cower at the thought, you know, we talk about being a living testimony. Yeah. And, and in fact, 
that's exactly what you are. You are a living testimony. And it's not some, oh, wow, gee whiz type of thing. It's, it's a real person who's mm -hmm. dealt with real issues and has survived them and becomes a living testimony to those who might give up or might yeah. lack faith and say, hey, I've walked through the fire. I've yep. walked, I've crawled out of the pit and I did it through faith and I did it through blind faith and trust. And I, 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 you know, I allowed God to, you know, turn, you know, bad to good. Yeah. And like we were kind of talking about the other night, you know, he makes all things good. We might not see it in that present season or in that wilderness season of life or whatever we may be experiencing, whether it's hardship or loss or whatever the situation may be. Uh, but I can most definitely say that he took everything that I went through and he turned it for the good, which of course I'm sure we'll get to in a bit. Um, but I'm going to pick up now, uh, basically in March of 2020. So like prime COVID <laughs> times. And, uh, with that being said, you know, one of the things that I had really had an issue with, and you're going to laugh because it sounds so like minuscule or so like girly, whatever. Um, when I say this is, and you can allude to it and you can attest to it also, I'm just saying, um, <laughs> is when I was in high school, um, I was struggling with two, I mean, outside of everything we just talked about, I was struggling with two things really hard um, or that were really difficult for me in high school. And one, I would, I had super low iron that like nobody could figure out why. Um, and secondary to that, I had super bad acne, which sounds so cliche and probably like some high school drama, whatever. I know it sounds dumb, but I had super bad, basically anemia is what it got classified as. And I had really bad acne and nobody could tell me why. I had gone to doctor upon doctor for both of those issues, tried every acne medication under the sun, yada, yada, who have nothing worked. Okay. So that was something that I struggled with from basically the time I was probably like 13 or 14, um, until I was basically almost 21. Um, and that sounds, I know it, like I'm saying, I'm, it sounds so cliche, but like, if you, if you're not somebody who knows me, if you understood the severity of it, you would probably understand it was really bad. Well, well here's something funny that the, the audience I, I think will find interesting. It never showed. Really? And, I, and I have to admit, when I met you, once you opened your mouth, that smile and that look in your eye, never noticed it. It was only until I looked into a, at a picture and I go, wow, she's got acne mm -hmm. because you never let it show. Well, you were you. so confident and so focused on, I think, more important things or greater yeah. things Yeah. that, you know, your true beauty shined through. And the acne was not something that I think anybody paid attention to. No. And that was probably a blessing. Um, but it was definitely something that I had really struggled with. And, you know, most times, you know, they tell you as like an adolescent going through puberty. First of all, it got chalked up to the fact that I was, you know, a three sport varsity athlete and you're an athlete. You have bad skin. Like it is what it is. Um, <laughs> like, you know, whatever. I had tried everything, did all the stuff, whatever. Nothing was working. Um, and basically, I had gotten finally, like last resort, they asked me to try this antibiotic, which was supposed to be something that I was only supposed to take for a few months, um, just to see if it would help clear it up. Okay, so I start taking this antibiotic, it's actually working. So like, that was great. Um, 
but I ended up being on it for quite some time, which anybody who knows you about antibiotics, you shouldn't really be on antibiotics long-term, right? So I get photosensitive, meaning like the sun, like I would get sun poisoning being on this medication. Um, so I get sun poisoning like two or three times, get sick as a dog, like the whole nine yards. And finally I'm like, you know what? This is not worth it to me. Like I can't keep getting sick when I walk outside and my skin sees the sun, um, especially when it's summer and I'm, you know, at the barn and I'm this and I'm that, and I'm kind of doing all these things. Like I'm always on the go. So I quit the medication cold turkey, which don't advise that, but that's what I did. I just stopped taking it. I was like, I told my mom, I was like, I would rather deal with the acne or the skin issues or whatever than have to continue to deal with this. Right. So all of a sudden, this is March of 2020. I start getting sicker than a dog, like not COVID sick, obviously COVID's happening. This is the beginning of the pandemic, but I'm getting like incredibly sick, just wild symptoms. Nobody can tell me what's going on. Um, to the point where it was getting kind of scary because all of a sudden I was starting to get all these food allergies and just it was like the wildest of symptoms nothing connected I was having allergic reactions left and right like it got so bad that like even the laundry detergent that we were using was like if it wasn't like clean and simple or whatever meant for babies like it would give me a rash I would break out in hives um so still was battling with the low iron kind of doing all the things just constant fatigue like I went from being a three-sport athlete to like not being able to do stuff for more than three, four, five hours a day. You know what I mean? So we go from one extreme to the other. And I was like losing my mind because one, I don't like not knowing what's going on. But two, it was just being chalked up to things that like weren't important every time I went to a doctor. Like I would go to the doctor and be like, I'm not sleeping well or I can't stay awake one or the other. And they'd be like, well, you're you're 20, you're 21. Like that's the season of life you're in. So I don't want to say I wasn't being taken seriously by the medical community, but there was definitely a lot of frustration in terms of like, yeah, I could see where that would be frustrating. Yeah. Like, Hey, how do we address this? And uh, something that your lovely sister taught me uh, before she passed away is, you know, you're your biggest advocate and you know, your body best. So don't like, if you think something's seriously wrong, you don't take no for an answer. You will find a doctor who believes you, listens to you and helps you move forward from there. Oh, that was um, definitely my sister. <laughs> yeah. So with that advice in the back of my head, in all seriousness, that was the only reason that I continued to try to figure out what was going on because I had been shut down by doctors left and right. Um, I went to the doctor, like the ER a couple of different times. Um, I had gone to a rheumatologist. I had gone to an allergist. I had gone to a cardiac doctor. I was having like heart palpitations, like what would feel like an anxiety attack, except for I was not somebody who had ever, like, obviously everybody has anxiety at one point or another, but I was never somebody who had seriously suffered from anxiety. Um, so all of these things were coming out of the blue, right? So I'm like, what in the world is going on? Like, this is not just chalked up to being a 21 year old who obviously I don't, I'd been through a lot, but like this all just doesn't happen randomly, whatever. Right. So I'm getting intensely frustrated. Um, I had been hospitalized four different times um, for like twice. We thought it was my appendix. wasn't my appendix. They had to do a bunch of testing. They're running a bunch of stuff. wasn't that. Uh, once for what like honestly felt like a heart attack, um, which I was 20. I was like 20 or 21 at that time. So like what? Obviously, I know it can happen. But what 20 or 21 year olds having a heart attack? Like, I felt stupid going in thinking like that's what it was. And I knew it wouldn't be taken seriously. But it was also causing actual anxiety because nobody could tell me what was wrong. So the fourth time, um, basically, I was at my summer job. And I had to go into a freezer. I had worked in like a warehouse. 
and I had to go into this freezer and it was really cold in there, which I mean, it's a freezer. Of course it is. Right. Um, but I go into this freezer and all of a sudden I like basically like passed out in the freezer. Okay. So I come to, I get up, I go out and I say, I don't know what's going on, but I do know that I need to leave. So like I'm leaving. Um, and they were like, do you need us to call an ambulance? Blah, 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 blah. Me being me and being stubborn and whatnot. was like, nope. My primaries like actually was actually right across the street from this place. So I go across to the primary and um, I go I to the primary. What was that? I can see this. I can see you doing that. Yeah. So I just go across the street to the primary. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if I'm having an allergic reaction. I don't know what's going on. But like, this is what just happened. Right. And um, it sounds terrible, but they literally looked at me and they're like, you're having a panic attack. And I was like, I don't think you understand that I don't have panic attacks, but you're going to give me one if somebody doesn't tell me what's going on. Um, so I was with them for a few minutes. They end up calling the ambulance. I get sent to our hospital, which is upstate, um, in Syracuse. And at this point, my entire left side had gone numb. Okay. So I'm like freaking out thinking I'm having a stroke. Like, and again, it's one of those things where you're like 20, 21, like 21 year olds don't have strokes, but that's what I'm thinking is happening. You know what I mean? And uh, so my whole left side goes numb. I can't feel like anything. I have facial paralysis. So like my whole face is drooping. So it was like classic stroke symptoms. You know what I mean? Um, my speech was like starting to slur. I didn't have time to tell my mom, dad, anything, anybody, what was going on. Uh, fortunately, um, I'm at 22 years old and I still put my mom on all my emergency contacts. So usually if you're over 18, they don't call your family. Like it's a privacy thing. It's HIPAA. Um, I still list my parents on everything. And they ended up calling my mom to tell her that I was being taken by ambulance to upstate. Um, so she ends up meeting us there. I didn't know that they had called her. So like what a blessing it was that she showed up. You know what I mean? Um, but you knowing my mom for the last eight years, you know how mama Joyce rolls. Um, (laughs) (laughs) basically walked in and told them they needed to figure out what was going on because we were done playing this game of constantly having crazy things happening and not, not having any answers. Yeah, so we get stuck at the hospital for, yeah, I mean, you know her, <laughs> classic, classic Mama Joyce moves, um, and we love her for it. Um, so we get stuck at the hospital all day long. They're running, they run an MRI, they run a CAT scan, they're doing this, they're checking my heart, they're kind of doing all of the things, right? So at this point, this is the fourth time I'm in the hospital with, like, basically no explanation. I'm telling them how I went numb, like, the people in the ambulance obviously saw how my face went drooped, you know what I mean? Um all that good stuff. We sit there, you can't eat, can't do any of that, whatever. They come back. They had tested me for a bunch of allergies and they had tested me for Lyme disease. They come back, Lyme disease test was negative. They allergy stuff. They like referred me on to a specialist and was like, you need to go get your allergies checked. Mind you, I had developed all these serious allergies. So I was, there was a bunch of crap that I already wasn't eating. So they're like, you need to go see an allergist. So that was the recommendation. And then basically told me that I had a panic attack. Which, Back as I'm that. sure you could recognize at this point in the story, that that was like not anything that I needed to hear. Yeah, it, your body had a panic attack. You didn't, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think I was just traumatized, honestly. So they're like, "Yeah, basically, we don't have anything to tell you. Go home." And I was like, "That's fantastic. Thank you for that so much." Um, so I go home, frustrated as I'll get out. And I finally end up calling one of our family friends, who's a nutritionist, and I was like, "Hey, listen." Um, no, actually, pause on that. So while that's happening, literally like three days after I come out of the hospital or something like that, my brother, I'm not going to dive into his story because he's somebody I also hope to have on the podcast to tell his story. 
long story short and i'm please don't think i'm saying this with like out of motion but just for time's sake i'm gonna just say it the way it is he got in a freak wakeboarding accident basically had dislocated his knee severed all the veins behind his knee got into this massive trauma surgery of about 12 hours like we basically didn't know if he was going to lose his leg or not um and then we had a whole summer of him with his leg basically cut wide open stabilized all of that stuff healing from the inside out uh, where he couldn't do anything, couldn't support himself. And we were basically like his on-call nurses. So this entire traumatic event <laughs> happens, right? And then at the same time, I'm still freaking out because nobody can tell me what's wrong, but I'm not looking to bother my parents with that while well, my brother is in the ICU. You know what I mean? That was not really the top of their priority list. So I call our friend who's a nutritionist and I go, hey, like this is what's going on. Nobody can help me what what can I do? And she goes, I need you to go see this doctor that I work with. And she specializes in infectious disease. And I was like, why are you sending me to an infectious disease doctor? And she's like, just go. They'll do the lab paneling. They'll check all your, like, actually check all your labs, like in detail, like all that stuff. Right. I go, I schedule the appointment, consultation, do all this stuff. I get like 45 vials of blood taken out of my arm, which I was like, are we even legally allowed to take that much is my question. Right. <laughs> and, um, you went to the CSI of disease. Seriously, I was like, I don't, I don't know if we're at the limit. Can I stand up and walk out of here? Is the real question, you guys, right? So they do a whole medical history. I tell them everything that's been going on for the last, like, at this year, at this point, it had been like two years, and they go, okay, we're gonna send in your labs. It'll be about two weeks. They go out to this like fancy lab in California. When when your stuff comes back, we're gonna schedule an appointment and we're gonna just go through everything, like line by line, thing by thing. Like we're gonna figure out what's going on. So that was the first like person who had finally like validated that something was wrong. Obviously they didn't know what it was at that point, but at least told me that something was wrong. Um, so I go home, all my blood, I guess, gets sent to California. Uh, six days later, mind you, they told me that it was going to be like two weeks plus just to get to California and back and all of that good stuff. So I knew that I had some time to wait. Meanwhile, we're still dealing with all of Zach's stuff, right? So this is all transpiring at the same exact time. Um, so Zach comes out of the ICU and he was there for 12 days. He comes home. And two days later, I get a phone call saying, we need you to come back into our office, like stat, like you need to be here tomorrow. So I walk into the office having no, no idea what's going on. Right. And I'm obviously a little bit nervous because obviously they found something. They wouldn't be calling me in for fun. And I sit down and they go, I need you to know that you have Lyme disease. And I was like, you're joking, right? Like I got tested for Lyme probably three different times and they came back negative. And they go, no, um, no, you like fully have Lyme disease. And they go, not only do you have Lyme, but you have five co-infections of Lyme disease. So whatever tick had bit me, uh, which mind you, I never pulled one off of me. Like I never remember pulling one off of me, but I also grew up on a dairy farm and was constantly outside. So the chances of it happening obviously were high, but I never specifically remember pulling one off of me. Yeah, I think so. you took go big or go home a little too seriously. Yeah, for real. So like whatever tick bit me was like the the mightiest of the mighty you know what I mean so like yeah. you have five co-infections of Lyme and basing kind of like they look at the bacteria like what they're finding in your body and your blood and all that stuff they go it's probably been at least eight to ten years since this has happened this has been wreaking havoc on your body for the last eight to ten years so wow. I'm like okay but like what am I supposed to do <laughs> like what am I supposed to do with that like obviously I'm taking it all in I had gone to this appointment by myself because my parents are literally like caretaking for Zachary you know what I mean yeah. And they're like, your heart issue is related to the Lyme. The iron issue, you are way too low in these. Um, you're way too low and deficient in these things. You're way too high in a couple of these things. So, like, my body was just, like, shutting down. 
Um, my resting heart rate at one point was like over 200. Um, I had POTS, which is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Um, so I had like a heart condition where basically like if I started doing physical activity in the way that I like was used to like running and lifting and all the things that I used to do, my heart rate would like shoot up. I would get dizzy. I would get vertigo. So it was like all of these crazy things happening. And they're like, yep, that was from the Lyme and all of these things. Like this is a classic, like nobody could tell you what happened because Lyme is such an underfunded and under-researched disease, but like this infectious disease doctor, like that's her specialty. And, uh, so we spent like two hours going through everything and she's like, I like, I don't know how to like tell you this, but basically like this want like the tick that bit you has like destroyed your body is basically what she was trying to tell me. She's like, I can't even begin to treat you for the issues at hand because your body is so like not warped, but it's just so inflamed and so overdone and like working overdrive to just like keep you functioning semi-normal. I can't do anything with that until we like re-regulate your body and then we can like actually start to treat the issue. So I did an allergy test. I found out I was allergic to like 15 different things, which I told you at the beginning, you know, I'm a lover of food, travel enthusiast. So to go from like being a quote unquote normal to being allergic to 15 things, like that was tough. Um, Obviously the heart rate issue was terrible. And then constantly going into anaphylaxis while eating things was not the best of times. So at this point I was willing to do whatever the woman told me to do because I was sick of, you know, feeling that way. And uh, so long story short, I know it's not really a long story short, but for the last two years, uh, basically, I had to start completely over. I had to go to a strictly, uh, it's funny because I'm gluten free and I can't have dairy either, which my dad thinks is a legitimate crime because I grew up on a dairy farm. But here we are. Um, So I can't eat gluten. I can't eat dairy. There's about 12 other things I can't eat. So I'm literally like a gluten free vegan who can eat meat, but not pork. <laughs> That's okay. Gluten, gluten's overrated anyway. Yeah. So I'm a gluten-free vegan who can eat meat with the exception of pork products. So that's how I best classify myself. It's a really good time. Truly do not actually recommend it all, but here we are. Um, and I basically had to start out, like I had to completely like overhaul my body and holistically start over. And it's kind of funny to go along with a the theme, but I kind of just had to start over and start rebuilding in a new and fresh way. Um, So in doing that, I had had a lot of internal damage just to my gut and everything, which if anybody doesn't know, your gut is like the primary, um, you know, the most important thing in terms of your health, your gut is related to everything. But because I had been on those antibiotics for my acne for so long, what actually ended up happening was the antibiotic they had put me on for my acne was the number one antibiotic they used to treat Lyme disease. So what ended up happening was I was put on this antibiotic when I was in high school and I was quote unquote treating the Lyme disease, not knowing that I was ever infected with Lyme. You know what I mean? Cause they kept telling me it was skin issues and it wasn't whatever. They didn't know that it was Lyme. How would you? So for years I was on this antibiotic trying to treat the acne, which it was helping a little bit, but what it was doing was suppressing all the symptoms. It wasn't until I stopped taking that. And like I told you, I stopped taking it cold Turkey uh, that all of these symptoms started to present themselves. So had I not stopped taking that antibiotic, I don't think I ever would have found out that I had Lyme. See that that's a God thing. Yeah, completely. That's a, that's an absolute God thing. And, um, I'm not sure cause this is your show, uh, how pressed we are for time. Oh no, we're good. Okay. We're good. <laughs> so, and, and so far what you told us is absolutely amazing. So basically, um, you have lived the life of Job part two. Yep. 
Yeah, um, pretty much. <laughs> and effervesce into Wonder Woman because you just don't won't fall. <laughs> and um, and then the other part that that your audience has to take into effect or into into the mix of it is all this time during all these trials, you're still evolving into this entrepreneurial yeah. ministry focused. Uh, child um, woman of God yep <laughs> and doing it all at the same time yep. and, and and here's the funny thing so so I, I framed the show mm-hmm. okay and now I'm, I'm gonna add the, the 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 little light and the brass placard underneath it yep um because I did look up what your last blog post was uh-huh on November 24th in 2018, mm-hmm. entitled Chosen, Not Forsaken. Well, would you look at that? <laughs> and if it wasn't so expensive, I would just drop the mic right there. <laughs> because you have literally scripted your own story without even knowing it. Yeah, You scripted this show years before it even came into your mind, or yeah. actually... You didn't script it. God had scripted. Yep. Because it just correlates everything that's happened, the titles you use, our meeting, how how we connected, and then now I'm sitting here uh, facilitating, because I'm not telling the story, facilitating it. And I think that speaks volumes to the audience of how much you can overcome. Yeah. With blind faith. Yep literally blind faith. And as I said before, all those decisions that you've made, okay, and left behind just literally tells people, you know, what your influence is. Yeah. And it's funny that you brought up the blind faith thing, because one of the, I mean, like I told you, I learned a lot, obviously, through all of that. But um, just when all of those things kind of started to transpire, one of the verses that I always clung to was walk by faith and not by sight. Um, and that was just something that I was constantly revisiting and constantly just speaking over myself and would go and find as much as I needed in whatever situation I was in. And, you know, it sounds cliche because I feel like sometimes people think it's overused, like walk by faith and not by sight. But really, in turn, what that means, if you actually dive into it, is despite whatever external or even internal circumstance you're dealing with, whatever the situation you're placed in, whatever hardship, whatever hurt, whatever pain, whatever brokenness you're feeling you know you can still walk by faith and you can still experience the joy of Christ and knowing him and serving him um so that's definitely been something that's played an active piece in my life uh to the point where don't tell my grandparents this because they got a thing against tattoos because they're old school um but I have uh walk by faith actually tattooed on my insole of my foot Oh, thank uh, you for telling me that because I'll make sure I cover mine with. <laughs> when I I mean, no, they never would bother anybody else. I'm totally just making a joke. But yeah, so um, this year, actually, I got that tattooed with one of my really close friends. Um, and it was kind of just full circle, if you know what I mean? Um, so now it's a constant reminder that I can't avoid even if I want to or maybe if it's a day that I don't want to hear it. Well, it sucks to be you because it's tattooed on your body. So you see it whether or not you want to. Yeah. And, and you know what? You know, it's 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 a sense of permanency the, the same way people will stand on scriptures, write scriptures, put it on there, um, you know, put it on their 
uh, wall or put it on their refrigerator or something so that they could see it all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just handy if it's on your body. Exactly. And, and and it's actually, you know, to me, the ultimate commitment, because when you put it on your body, it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think what's important, again, for you listeners out there, um, you know, when you listen to Mackenzie speak, that blind faith is literally she just did not accept her circumstances. She just kept plodding along. And where most people, again, you know, in the beginning would have become an at-risk youth, would have given up, maybe fallen into drugs or depression. But yet this woman just kept going. It's like, you're not going to take me down. And, you know, again, chosen, not forsaken. She knew what her mission was. She or is not was because it's not over yet. Yeah. And she just continued to drive forward despite the adversity. And every last one of you out there who listened to this show, who read the blog, if it hasn't been clear to you that message, it should be really clear right now. Thank you. You can overcome anything. Okay. With just a mustard seed of faith. Yeah. And it's, it, um, and and I and I am truly blessed to be the person to be facilitating this. Um, I was probably more nervous than you when you asked me, and then you know I was literally freaking out on like, well, how am I going to do this? You know, mm-hmm. because my hosting the show just has to be as good as your hosting the show. <laughs> and as I was pondering it out. God was like, yeah, slow down, Slick. Let me paint this picture for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then it started coming to me. Well, incipient beginnings, you know, just grow with it, you know. And then when you mentioned, you know, you didn't know what your last blog was. And then I looked it up and I'm going, okay, there is no denying that this is just God blessed right here because it's chosen, not forsaken. Yeah. And it's and, so funny that that. I would have never, and I told you that before, I never would have even drawn that comparison and connection. So how fortunate I am that God painted that vision for you and you just shared it with me and everybody listening. And and it's, I can't think of the name of the book right now, um, but, you know, um, um, a congregant in, in my church uh, was, you know, came down with cancer and was starting to fall into depression. And, and I gave her a book and basically what the book was a medical study about people and faith and when it comes to illness and diseases specifically cancer and those people who show the same amount of faith that you have shown you know through these years from the time you were 16 to the very present are people who have been able to beat it the people who you know like in the fourth time my sister got tired and it's like i can't do this again and 90 days ended up being a week mm-hmm Faith will keep you alive. It will keep you strong. It will keep your body moving. Just like the scripture said, you, you know, you, you may grow weary, okay, mm-hmm. but you're not going to fall. Yep. You're going to soar on the wings of eagles. And, and, and I think, you know, testament to where you are right now, you know, you talk about, you know, having partial paralysis, uh, acne. And I look at your picture, you know, uh, on your site and I'm going this woman's a model <laughs> thank you <laughs> when did all of this other stuff happen you know? 
I can't that picture is, it. Uh, surely the works of God, let me tell you. You know, I can't picture it. And I think you, your audience would agree with me. You know, they're sitting there going, really? All of that? Oh, and, yeah. I got plenty of pictures if nobody believes me. <laughs> well, we, don't, we don't have to share those, you know. But, you know, the simple fact is you have persevered. You, you've inspired me, you know. And, you know, again, having the openness, you know, I could have been the typical adult and and not paid attention to, you know, a child, which you would have been a child to me at that time. Right. But, you know, your smile, your eyes were so engaging that, you know, it, it, it was like the angel coming and wrapping their wings around you. It's like, come here and rest, rest in this. I, you know, I, I will show you peace. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what it was for me you know and then your mom your mom is just you know your me mom can in walk 40 in years a, me in 30 years i mean yeah <laughs> your mom can walk into a room during the nuclear holocaust and have everybody laughing and smiling <laughs> and not worrying about it and yep. nobody would even understand why because she yep. just has that personality yep <laughs> and, and i really didn't need any help following along with her you know? <laughs> And you could tell by the strange looks people gave. I was like, what are those two don't know each other? They just <laughs> met, you know? Um, but, you know, it, it's just a testimony to the seeds your, your parents planted in you and your brother and how they flourished. And, you know, the, the hardest part about being a parent and raising a child is you plant the seeds, you know, you read the scripture, just put that foundation. They'll never stray from it. It just never tells you when it's going to come to fruition and you yeah. can't look for it. You know, um, but, you know, it, it sounds cliche to say I'm proud of you, but I, I am really honored to, you know, be a friend, a known associate of yours, um, you know, because you have an amazing story and you have a, a an amazing testimony and it's faith giving, it's strength giving. Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. And I love that you said, you know, those seeds being... Uh, sown because something that we've always talked about as a family and of course you know you're you're talking to a family of dairy farmers so why would it not be a cliche and uh (laughs) metaphor um but yeah you know you do reap what you sow and in terms of that it's really honestly for me and just growing up it's been a perspective thing um even when we were going through all of that you know my dad just as the leader of our family i'm not saying my mom wasn't either but my dad was very adamant in making sure that we kept our heads down and just focused on, you know, what our next move was. We weren't going to sit and dwell in the circumstances that, you know, had occurred or were happening or that we were experiencing. Um, But he was constantly reminding us like as a family and just kind of as our unit of four that, you know, you reap what you sow. Um, And so whatever seeds we were planting, you know, we're going to be what we sowed later on. So if we were going to get caught in our circumstances and start sowing seeds of angriness and bitterness and malice and all of the things that we probably, you know, rightfully so almost to a point could have done, um, you know, we were going to see that down the road, but rather if we focused on finding the blessings in the little things and finding the fun and finding the authentic joy. And, you know, despite all of those things that happened, there were so many ways that God protected us and all of those things and just really taking the time to be adamant and, active and pointing those things out and just actually counting our blessings um, as well as continuing to serve despite the fact that we may not have even felt like doing that in that point. Um, And and the truth is, you know, any true Christian, you know, and and it's easy to forget because the world can be very um, overbearing, 
but you know, in the times of your life where you feel God is most absent, that is the time that you just need to be obedient and be still so that you can hear or discern, you know, what lesson, you know, was being taught at that time. Yeah. And, you know, your family as a whole was obedient, continued to give when you had nothing to give, Mm -hmm. but, you know, quote unquote, nothing. You still had wisdom. You still had hope. You still had faith. You still had a smile to give, which no one can ever put a value on, on what it does for somebody else, because somebody could look at you and know your adversity and see that you're still smiling and you're still giving. And that is enough to give them hope that in their situation, or maybe even make them think their situation isn't that bad. Because if that guy can smile with what he's going through, I really don't need to complain. Jesus never complained about the weight of his cross. Why should I? Yeah, exactly. And it was just, it was just very interesting because, you you know, you said about being obedient. And one of the things that I've definitely learned along the way is, you know, sometimes when we steer away from being, now let me preface this with, I'm not somebody who sits well. I think you all would have figured that out at this point. (laughs) Um, You know, I don't sit. I'm an A-type personality. I'm constantly on the move. I can't even sit still long enough to watch a TV show, let alone like my quiet time with Jesus is usually like me walking outside somewhere. You know what I mean? On a (laughs) treadmill or an elliptical. Meditate. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm not just somebody who can just sit. So in terms of obedience, you know, one of the things that I've kind of learned is in being obedient and, and in fulfilling your purpose and moving after your calling. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were kind of just telling me a story about they knew where they wanted to be and where they should be, but they were fearful about getting there. It probably sounds familiar because it sounds like a conversation you and I had earlier this week, but I wasn't talking to you. Um, I was talking to somebody else and finally I had just said to them, you know, two things. One is when we are trying to be obedient, but we're fearful of what, whatever that looks like, you know, whatever that situation, whatever that calling is, whatever, we're almost in turn being disobedient by running from the promises of God. Okay. And with that secondary to that, you know, if we're going to be disobedient, mind you, I'm a lot more fearful of being disobedient than I am being obedient personally. You know what I mean? Like I would never want to be the person who's being disobedient to God's calling on my life. A lot easier said than done. But in terms of our obedience, you know, there's something that I had said to this person. And usually when you're quote unquote ministering or pouring into somebody else, it's usually, you know, you're preaching to the choir. It's something you need to hear. Um, I finally just looked at them and I go, I'm just going to be honest with you, you know, in terms of what you're telling me in this situation, if I can be frank and I can be upfront, your lack of obedience is quote unquote, making you disobedient and you are running from your calling right now. Yeah. Been there. done that. <laughs> no, I'm not saying I'm not somebody who hasn't don't get me wrong because you know, through all of that, there was plenty of seasons and times that I felt that way and I didn't know what way I was going and all of those things. But I have learned that in being obedient and in, you know, sowing the seeds and doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing. Now, a lot easier said than done on so many different levels. I understand that. But the blessing and the magnitude of what God has to offer is far greater than anything we could think of, dream of, or imagine. Um, And I've gotten to live that out, you know, through that wild season of my life to be now, mind you, that's a whole seven year like sabbatical. So remember the number seven in the Bible, but <laughs> yeah. be on the, 
to be on the flip side of that and kind of basically out of that now and to just see the abundant way that God has blessed me and in turn allowed me to bless so many others has just been, it has been absolutely eye-opening and incredible. And, you know, one of the things that I hold near and dear to my heart, which is, you know, I hold a lot of things because I'm one of those people, but is the quote, you know, be a river and not a reservoir. And for those of you who are not water enthusiasts, um, <laughs> a reservoir, very simply, is a still body of water. Whatever water goes into it usually stays there. You know what I mean? Right. Um, whereas being a river is obviously a free-flowing, moving uh, substance of water. So I know that in my life, I have always wanted to be somebody who was a river. And what I mean by that is I wanted the abundant blessings and the outpouring of God's grace and goodness and kindness and love and mercy and all of those things to not only flow to me, because of course I want to receive those things, but I also want them to flow through me and to other people. And, uh, and I think in having that perspective and just kind of holding on to that, despite what occurs, what happens, what situation, like at this point, things happen and I don't even get riled. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's minuscule compared to things that I've dealt with in the past. So just in having that perspective and just being able to keep a generous spirit, um, it's really allowed me to cultivate an environment of true, you know, authentic joy, you know, um, just joy in action and then a living joy and an authentic joy. And just really, for me, it's about two things. It's about loving God wholeheartedly and abundantly and serving him in my best possible way that I can. And it's loving people well. Um, and I love people the same way that Jesus does with love and action, with joy and action, with forgiveness and action, with all of those things. And then just getting to do that in turn to see the blessings and the outpouring of goodness and grace that God has granted me. Uh, that's the biggest gift of all. Absolutely. And, you know, again, going to my, you know, book of leadership phrases, you know, if God takes you seriously enough to entrust you with the vision and you have to take yourself seriously and and go for it, you know, because God asks us to overreach ourselves because yep. his reach is far longer than ours. Yeah. You know? To whom and much is given, much is required. Exactly. You know, and you know, you, you have done much and, and, and we all get fleshy at times and we all get a little downtrodden and we all get that why me type thing. But you know, that's when we need to go back, you know, to our foundations and say, wait a minute. Okay. I'm not going there. You're not taking me down that road. You know, I'm just going to persevere. I'm just going to plod on. And, you know, people say, you know, athletes, you know, pain is just fear leaving the body. Yep. You know, and just face it, move with it. And and, and as you say, just grow with it. Mm -hmm. And you truly have grown with it. And we, you know, I've grown with you. And I, I think your listeners are growing with you. And, you know, we've passed your incipient beginning and now we're in your incipient, I don't even know if it's midlife, senior life, <laughs> or, you know, but one you're fit you, the life, yeah, one fit the life. life, but you're, you're still becoming and developing that role that you play. And it's, it's, it's an amazing show to watch. Well, thank you. That means you're so part of. And I'm torn now because, you know, looking at your questions and I said, asking you your own questions would have been really boring. And, I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm torn, like, you know, which of the three last questions is really, you know, the one that's going to, you know, um, have the most impact, you know, your, your biggest piece of advice, your biggest lesson learned or, or your closing thoughts. You know, I, I think for this, I'll actually let you pick which one you want to use. Oh, 
I'm not a great decision maker. So that was poor choice on your part. Um, <laughs> but that's all we've been talking about is decisions <laughs> that you have made. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, um, you know say, what? I, I have a question. I yeah. have a question. How do you just grow with it? Oof. See, that was not a question I was prepared for, sir. Um, okay. <laughs> that's why I'm the I host. guess that's going to be a little <laughs> bit encompassing of all three of those questions. So that actually works out really well. Um, I think for me, I think just growing with it, it encompasses a lot of different things. Um, because, you know, it's so simple and it's so easy to just be like, yeah, like get over it or, hey, move on or, hey, you know, it's not that important or, you know, whatever the situation or conversation may be. Um, but I think just growing with it really encompasses the idea of a spirit of contentment. Um, and what I mean by that kind of alludes back to what I was saying about like authentic joy. Um, here's the thing, despite your circumstances, despite the d hand of cards you've been dealt, despite what you're dealing with, the issues you're facing, all of those things. Now, mind you, I'm not minimizing any of those things because they're real and serious issues. And I completely empathize uh, with anybody experiencing hardship. But I think we also need to see and understand that it's a choice. And what I mean by it's a choice is your perspective is a choice. Okay, you can you have two choices, you can fall captive to the things that are going on to the things that for lack of a better word suck, like, I'm sorry, I'm saying that on my own podcast, but whatever, um, <laughs> to the to the hardship to the hurt to the betrayal to the distrust, whatever. So you can fall captive to those things, which in my world, and I'm not pushing this on anybody, but that's exactly what the devil wants you to do. Or you can make an active choice to choose authentic joy. And in choosing authentic joy, you're choosing contentment. Because here's the thing, you will never be happy in the constant pursuit. And what I mean by that is, you know, people always say, I'll be happy when I graduate. I'll be happy when I have that job. I'll be happy when I'm married. I'll be happy when I have this, when I have that, all of those things. Here's the thing. You will never be content in those seasons of life if you cannot find contentment and true authentic joy right where you are. And I think in terms of just growing with it, I think having a spirit of contentment and as well as, you know, a spirit of compassion and a spirit of love and authentic joy and all those things I was talking about, you know, my kind of catchphrase or motto, mind you, there's no copyright here because it's Bible, but is to walk by faith and love greatly, but just be happy with a smile on my face along the way. So if I can find the joy and contentment in the little things, then I certainly can find joy and contentment in the big things. Um, but it's really, it's a spirit thing. It's an active choice. And it's something that you have to fight for because life isn't always sunshine and roses. Like, hello, if you've lived on this earth for more than two days, you've probably recognized that. Um, but even though life isn't always sunshine and roses and happy-go-lucky, uh, every day you do have the opportunity to make a choice. So I think it's an attitude. And I think it's a perspective. And I think it's also just an immense trust in God. You know, if anything that I've learned over my, we'll call it our seven year story here, uh, was to just authentically trust God and to walk by faith and not by sight, despite what was going on, despite what I was feeling, despite what was occurring, um, to take it all back and just say, you know what, God, I'm going to hand this to you. I'm going to submit it to you. I'm going to lay it at the cross and I'm going to let you work it out because I know at the end of the day that God works all things out for the good. And I think that was your drop the mic moment right there. <laughs> so, I'm, yeah. I'm not even I'm not even going to say what I was going to say. So you know. <laughs> no, say it, say it. <laughs> no, it, it, it's it's funny because you know being being a vet and being in the military, you know we 
you know, you, you talked about it sucks and we, you know, we have a saying called embrace the suck. It's like, well, if I got to be in this situation, I might as well just embrace it and, and make the best of it. And, you know, we always talk about failure is not an option because we want to go home. Yep. You know, we want to go home to our family. And I think as Christians, as people of faith, you don't need to be in the military to adopt that ideology of failure is not an option. Yeah. And because I'm going home to my family, but you're talking about your big home. Yeah. You're talking about your final home. This is just, this is just a, a resting area, a mud spot, you know, in the road, you know, but if we adopt that mindset and, and it's all about mindset. And I think that's what you said as a counselor, you know, this is what I tell people is like, you have to, you have to retrain your brain. Yep. You have to, you know, that's the piece beyond all understanding. And we try to overthink that, but to be able to, like you said, not get mad, to just press on despite the pain, despite the, the frustration, you know, and then when you finally get to where, okay, I got my answers. I'm still, I'm still persevering. I'm still getting the job done. I'm still reaching my goals. That is the piece beyond understanding. And it's like the forest before the trees. We're looking so hard to find it. We don't realize it when we have it. Yeah, definitely. And I think just to probably wrap this up with my final thought, and it kind of goes hand in hand with what you were just saying. You know, I actively really diligently work to allow my life to be a reflection of not only God's goodness and grace, but also his character. Um, you know, I work really hard to, now I'm not saying all the time because it's not easy, but to love people the way that Christ does, to to live my life in a way that's honoring to him, to to pour out to people and just extend the grace and mercy and goodness and kindness and all of those things that God is to others. And like I was saying, you know, allowing those things to come to me, but also flow through me. Um, but to kind of wrap this up, you know, just as a synopsis of all of it, I would really just encourage people to remember that despite it all, despite whatever has happened, occurred or whatever, um, there's always people looking at you. There's always people looking to you. And that, that's just a leadership thing. Obviously, I totally get that. Um, it, people are always looking to see what you're going to do. And it's not that we care that what people think or what they're saying or any of that, because let me tell you, do not do that. One, two, <laughs> comparison is the thief of all joy. So don't fall to that either. But number three, what I was actually getting at and going to probably close out with is through all of that and the example that you're setting, um, you may be somebody's only glimpse of Jesus or you may be somebody's only glimpse of Jesus for that day or that decade or that week or that whatever. You could be somebody's only glimpse of Jesus for their entire life. So I guess my question that I want to leave people with, and let me just be all rhetorical and, you know, whatnot here is, you know, if somebody was looking at to you, you know, as the example, as the leader, as somebody who's stepping out in the community or has a platform or whatever, you know, like I said, you may be somebody's only glimpse of Jesus. So what is the reflection that they're seeing? Absolutely. You know, you need to see the, you need to see the child of God that God in the mirror that God sees. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mackenzie, on behalf of yourself and me, I want to thank you for being our guest today. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for making me do it, even though I was apprehensive. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, it's so funny to like say that on my own show, but I really appreciate the opportunity to kind of share my story because I don't think that that's something that, you know, people know bits and pieces, but that was probably the first time that I've actually sat down and penned a paper or I guess microphone to podcast uh, 
shared that in detail. Um, so that was the first time that that's happened. And if anything, for anybody listening, I hope that that can be a word of encouragement to you. And I hope that you can pull some good things from that. But I also hope you can remember to find joy and contentment in in the little things in life and also just remember to just grow with it. Amen. And audience, I just want to thank you for one, allowing me to be the host. Uh, thank you for listening. And please come back and join Mackenzie again in the next episode of Just Grow With It. Good night, y'all. We'll see you soon. Good night. <laughs>